You are listening to episode number nine of the Body You Crave podcast, the one where I take you through part one of my journey around weight loss, emotional eating, and my struggles with body image and self-worth. Let's dive in. Master Life and Weight Loss Coach Jillian Lama, and you're listening to the Body You Crave podcast, where you'll learn how to end emotional eating, lose excess weight, and feel amazing in your body. No cheating required. Keep listening, and I'll show you how. Welcome back to another episode of the Body Crave Podcast. Today, I wanted to take you behind the scenes and just share my experience with weight loss, my own struggles with weight and body image and emotional eating and how that really developed. So you can read more about my story in my new book. It's called Body You Crave. It's a 60-day food and self-love journal. So it's part book, part journal, and it's amazing. You can find it on Amazon. I'll link to it in the show notes, but it is available now starting in August. And I am so excited. This has been a year in the making and has definitely taken a bit longer than I expected, but a lot of that was due to myself (laughs) and having a baby and, you know, putting this off. So while I share a lot of my story in there, I wanted to share it here on the podcast as well, because I think it's easy to let experiences with past diets and health coaches and people kind of taint our view of what's possible for us in the future. And I was talking with someone and just mentioning, because she was telling me she had worked with some coaches in the past who she didn't like, and she felt like things were her fault and like she was kind of shamed or a bad person because she couldn't stick with this plan and she was kind of struggling and it was basically like all her fault and it was very much a well you just need to to do it you just need to decide you need to have more willpower you just need to commit harder and she felt very defeated and discouraged and it so it it kind of tainted her view of wanting to work with somebody in particular, you know, wanting to work with somebody in the future and even her, just her thoughts about herself and her ability to lose weight. And so I, I myself have also worked with some coaches in the past and did some programs, group coaching, and I took courses and joined memberships. And I did a variety of things that honestly, they, they didn't work. And some of them did create more struggle and more challenge than they did any good. And it just created more resiliency for me. And it really fire, like it really put a fire under my butt to really create this podcast and to share and get this message out there because there are so many mixed messages and there are so many terrible diets and people people who I think have good intentions, but are really flawed in their approach. I want this to be an alternative. And so in addition to talking about some of my experiences with coaches and courses and different programs, I also wanted to talk to you about my just growing up, what my experience was with weight and body image, because from the time I was probably seven or eight years old, I thought I was fat. And looking back at pictures, I, I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, I was, I wasn't fat at all. I was you know, not super skinny. I wasn't tall and thin. And a lot of this came from, I think, comparing myself to my cousin who was tall and thin and blonde and beautiful. And so, you know, I find we get into a lot of trouble when we start comparing ourselves to others, right? That's often where where things come from. It's feeling like we don't measure up and we don't stack up. And it was little things like my aunt who didn't, it didn't mean anything malicious, but, you know, had made a comment like, oh, don't stretch out those clothes. You know, be careful. Don't stretch that out. I just washed those. 
And it's funny, the things that we remember now, you know, because I, in first, when she said that, I was like, what is she talking about? We're like the same age. We're the same size. Like, I'm not, I don't look any different. But as a little, you know, like seven, eight-year-old, I'm just trying to make sense of the world. And at the time, it was, I made that mean, well, I must be fat. Or if I'm not being praised for being skinny, I must be fat. And it, it wasn't that I was overweight or fat or husky or, you know, I just had a different body shape than she had, you know, like there was nothing wrong with that. Later, when I was about 12, we had moved over or we had moved across the country. And so I flew back with my younger sister and we went to go visit my grandma and cousins. And my grandma picked us up from the airport and she was like, oh my gosh, Julie, I can't believe how skinny you are. And she was just raving like at the airport. We, we went out to lunch. I think we went to Denny's actually. And we were sitting there. I remember having a milkshake and she was just like, I just can't believe how skinny you are. And it was interesting because it's like, that's what I had wanted praise for. I wanted people to tell me I was skinny, I guess, or to prove that I was like thin enough or that I wasn't fat. But instead of feeling good about myself of like, oh, I must be skinny. I didn't feel like I had changed at all. Right. So it's different to see 10 year old versus a 12 year old. There can be some big differences. I got taller. And so then I did kind of I lean out, if you will. I did maybe I looked a little bit slimmer. But to me, I didn't feel like I had changed. But again, like as a young, young kid, I made this mean, well, I must have been fat before. And that was bad. So I definitely have, like, I take responsibility for this. I don't blame my aunt. I don't blame my grandma. I don't blame my mom or my, you know, I don't blame anyone around me. This was all what I made things mean. And it's important that we start to recognize that and we take ownership of it so that we can start to change the story. But it's interesting that a lot of times these thoughts, these fears, these worries, these beliefs, they're ingrained from a young age, from you know five, six, seven years old. We are just absorbing everything around us like a sponge. We aren't really making sense of the world on our own. We're looking at, we're trying to understand based off of what other people are saying that this is good or this is bad or this is how we find love or this is what it means to be approved or this is how we fit in. And so for me, you know, growing up, it was like, well, I want to be thin. I want to be attractive. You know, I just want a flat stomach and thighs that don't touch. Why is that so much to ask? And I just had a body type where it's like I tended to carry a little bit more weight in my belly section. So same grandma, bless her heart, <laughs> when I got to college was like, you know, if I didn't know any better, I'd think you were pregnant. And this is when I was like actively trying to lose weight. I was training for a marathon. I was trying to run and exercise and eat healthy and just cut carbs. And then she tells me I look pregnant. And I was like, I remember in that moment we were in the kitchen. I think I was making coffee or something. And I was like, oh my gosh, I need to go run like an extra five miles. Like this is my worst nightmare come true is to be very much not pregnant and like 21, 22 years old, I don't remember exactly, but like early 20s, not pregnant, trying to lose weight. And that's what she says. <laughs> now, again, she didn't mean anything with it. And sometimes we've got people in our lives who they don't, they aren't trying to be malicious or hurtful. They just don't necessarily have a filter. Or I think she probably saw this look of shock and horror on my face when she said that. Or maybe she just realized after it came out of her mouth, like, oh, I don't think that came out well. And she tried to kind of clarify and say, you're just so petite and you have this little belly. And I'm just thinking, you're not making it any better, Oma. I love you, but like, this is not helping. <laughs> and so I was on this kick to really to lose weight. And so when I was, let's see, so throughout middle school and into high school, definitely comparing myself to the other girls and looking at how do I stack up? How do I measure? And we moved around a bit 
when I was in high school, I ended up going to five high schools and it was, I very much had my self-worth and value attached to my body size and shape. And so I was very proud of myself when I was thin, but if I gained weight, then I was very ashamed and self-conscious. And and even though I might've been at a good weight for my size and, and my height, you know, being like five, two, five, three, when I was 115 pounds, I felt overweight, even though I wasn't, even though that was probably a good, healthy weight for me to be at. And so I really bounced around a lot in high school between kind of being like 100 up to 125 pounds. And that like, those were some big, massive swings in weight, in clothing sizes. And I really, I really struggled with that. So going, so I I had lost a lot of weight before senior year of high school. And then I gained it within like the first six months of 20 of 2004. So between like January and June, I probably put on at least, you know, 20 pounds and I felt really, really self-conscious. I ran cross country in college. So I went to college and I was the biggest girl on the team. I was the slowest girl on the team. I felt very, very trapped in my body. And I felt like I just had to run more and eat less. Like was stuck on this whole like calories in, calories out. I just have to run more and eat less carbs was the primary thing. Not just eat less food, but I had to eat like little to no carbs. And so as I was trying to eat less and specifically not eat carbs, but still run and train really hard, I had a lot of cravings. My body's physiological response was to eat, was to desire food and to desire quick energy and high energy. So quick energy being sugary foods and then high energy being like high fat foods like peanut butter. I like I craved peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. When I never liked PB&J as a kid, I never liked, I actually didn't really like peanut butter as a kid, which I thought was really interesting. And I remember my mom eating peanut butter with a spoon out of the jar and it's no judgment on her. But I remember thinking like, ew, gross. Like I really don't like peanut butter that much, but (laughs) I would do this too myself. So we'll get to that in just a sec. But in college, I really, I really wrestled. And so freshman, sophomore, junior year, I was overweight. And I ended up studying abroad and trained. So I was running the White Nights Marathon in St. Petersburg, Russia. And my whole premise was with that much rain, with that much running, I'm bound to lose weight. Like I've got to, I've got to be able to lose weight. With this much running, running a marathon, of course I'm going to lose weight. Nope. Maybe I lost a pound or two, but I really stopped tracking after a while of running and trying to eat better. And my hunger signal, like my hunger hormone was triggered. And so I was like ravenously hungry a lot of times during the day. I remember eating like nine egg white, (laughs) like a nine egg white omelet. I was so hungry because, and, but I was also terrified of eating carbs because in, at that time to me, it was like, no, I have to eat low carb in order to eat healthy. But by trying to eat low carb, I would end up just snacking on granola bars. I remember in college eating like I'd eat maybe healthy or low carb in the dining hall, but go back to my room and eat like three or four chewy s'mores granola bars. And it's like, okay, I could have just had some pasta or bread or, you know, I could have, could have gotten my carbs in any other way. But I had a variety of different cravings. I, I wanted more food and I really wrestled with the confidence and self-belief and, and self-image all throughout that time. And so senior year of college, I ended up losing some weight and didn't quite know how. And so I just kept thinking, oh, well, I just have to exercise more and eat less. So now in addition to me running and training for, you know, a half marathon and doing these things, 
well, now I better make sure that I'm walking at night on an incline. Like I better go and do two a days. I should also be lifting weights. And on the days when I am cycling, I should also make sure that I run or walk or, you know, I had all of these kind of rules around. I had to do a bunch of exercise and I had to still try and, you know, limit carbs and limit what I was eating, except for my like nightly trips to the frozen yogurt shop. (laughs) which it's not like I was drinking, you know, I was probably having several servings of frozen yogurt and I lost the weight, but I didn't, because I didn't feel confident in how I didn't know how to maintain it. It was kind of like, oh, all of a sudden my pants fit differently because, and, and what I can see now is because I took my eye off of, I have to lose weight and the scale has to go down and weighing constantly and feeling like crap about myself. I focused instead on my training and I focused on well, how can I get to be a better runner? How can I run faster? I want to run this race in Monterey. So, you know, how can I focus on the training? How do I have fun and enjoy it? Let me try this spin class. Let me, I did this weights class. I was doing kind of focusing more on my life and how do I enjoy the activities that I'm doing? How do I enjoy my life and this time in college and not be so focused on weight loss? And I think that helped to some degree, but I still was very much at war with food. I still had a lot. I was terrified of fat and I was terrified of carbs. So not only was I trying to do low carb, but I was also trying to do low fat at the same time. And that did not, and then exercise, right? And then like exercise like a fiend and that just did not work. So after college, I again went through some periods where I was, you know, had lost some weight, gained some weight, lose the weight, gained the weight. And it felt like things couldn't, just weren't sticking, you know? And I, every time I would gain a little bit of weight, It could only be, you know, it might only be like five pounds, but I felt so much shame and regret and remorse and like judgment. And there was so, I just wanted to hide. I remember coming back from, I had gone to DC after college and I went back to California about a year later and remember spending some time with my best friend at that point. And then by the following year, I had gained some weight. So maybe five to 10 pounds. It wasn't a lot, but it was enough to where I could feel it in my clothes and in my body. And I felt self-conscious and I felt like I couldn't help myself. I kept trying to just run more and exercise harder and eat less and counting calories. But every time I would count calories, I would always be over and I would always then feel like crap. And so I I stopped counting. It was like I would record and track my food for one or two days. But then it's like, okay, well, I'm eating more than 1,200 calories, which is what Jillian Michael says I should be doing. And I'm doing two days in the gym, but I'm not seeing the results that I want. And I, I did. I kept triggering this hunger hormone. So I was hungry throughout the day. And after, I, and I like, I just, I didn't want to be hungry all day. Like it was really uncomfortable. (laughs) I didn't like that. And so I would try to just eat low calorie foods and I would try to fill up on vegetables or soup or things that were like low calorie or low points or low carb, that sort of thing. But I remember even though I wasn't, I hadn't gained like that much. And, and I don't remember the exact number, but I, like, I left the country. Like, I moved to another country because I felt like, okay, this is the right next step. And I didn't even say goodbye to my best friend because I just felt so self-conscious about the way that I looked. And there was so much shame. And I, I wish I, I had more, more faith in me, more faith in her to not care. You know, it's not like she did, but because of some other things that had happened, it was like, because I was known for being healthy or for being fit or being athletic or being skinny, it was like there was this extra label that I had to maintain. I might look good in clothes, but then if they somebody saw me in a bathing suit and they saw that, oh, I had this little extra fat, they'd be like, oh, I'm so glad that you don't look perfect. And it was like kind of a, a harmless comment that they they meant 
to be like, they could feel better about themselves. But then I felt like crap of like, oh, I don't look as good. Like they think I look really good and I'm not living up to that standard or that expectation. There was a girl. So after high school, right before I started college, there was a girl um, who I had run cross country with about a year prior. And she was in the locker room at the rec center. And I was changing. I think I was getting, getting dressed and she was just arriving as I was leaving. But, but she was like, oh, you look thick. (laughs) And I was like, again, like deer in headlights, like, oh my gosh, I'm fat. And she, I think she went on and tried to say like, no, that's a good thing. (laughs) But I very much did not see this as a good thing. And so it was like, now, not only is it just a fear and a worry about myself, now it was, well, other people are noticing this too. Other people can see that I've let myself go. Other people can see that I have gained weight. Other people can see that like, I'm not as fit and healthy as they think I am. And it's, it's that like not living up to expectations or kind of comparing myself to others and not, not stacking up. And so it was that, I think it was that fear and it was instances like that where I felt like I wasn't good enough that ultimately ended up hurting relationships. And <laughs> she'll even tell you, like, I used to eat lettuce with like packets of seasoning and like all kinds of ridiculous stuff. Now, granted, when I came back from Bangladesh, in 2012, we didn't have a lot of fresh produce over there. And so I did eat a head of lettuce every single day for an entire year, probably more than a year, because I didn't get it for so long. And so part of me loved the crunch. I loved being able to chew and eat. And also in my mind, well, this is low calorie. This is safe. It's allowed. It's okay. So there were kind of, there was a variety of reasons, but I... Yeah, I was always looking for how do I eat less and exercise more and just never measuring up, never actually figuring it out. And so at the time, I didn't really think that I was emotionally eating all throughout this time. But as I look back, I can definitely see how the more that I would restrict earlier in life, like in high school or college, it was like the harder it was to get back into that restriction diet mode again later. It was like, I I couldn't bring myself to get back there. And I really struggled to maintain like other people's diets and what they were telling me I should be eating because I like that muscle had been so tapped and so drained that like, I just couldn't do it anymore. Emotionally speaking, I think this may have started a little bit in when we lived in Tbilisi, Georgia. So when I was in high school, we moved overseas and we didn't know anybody. We didn't have like hardly any friends. We didn't know any other expats or foreigners. We weren't connected with an embassy community or anything. And so we felt very much alone. And so at night, like almost every night, we would go to the little kiosk stand and we would all get, pick out a candy bar. And we'd go home and watch like one of our, you know, two or three videos that we had in English. (laughs) We might go searching for another one. Sometimes maybe we would play cards or we we might read, we would do something kind of with the family, but we always would go and buy candy. And talking with my sister about this recently, I started to realize like, oh, I think there was, there was some emotional eating habits maybe that we started to adapt of like, even though this place sucks and I feel really uncomfortable and, and there's this, you know, I can't speak the language and I can't connect with people and I'm really struggling. Well, at least I've got this candy bar. Like this will make things better. And I remember I wouldn't, I usually wouldn't eat the whole candy bar. I would often save it. I was very much a saver when it came to like sweets or candy, things like that. I often would have Halloween candy like the next year. And often it was because I wanted to hang on to it and savor it, kind of save it for a rainy day. It was like, I might be really in the mood for this sometime. And so, and I did that when we were in Tbilisi too. I I would save like a quarter, a third of my Snickers bar or my Twix or, you know, whatever it was that I was eating. And I had this little stash of like kind of half eaten candy bars and 
it was like my save for a rainy day kind of emergency candy stash. (laughs) But I think at that point, I still had a fairly healthy relationship with candy or with food. I hadn't really gotten into the carbs are evil or carbs are the devil kind of mindset yet or sugar is evil or off limits or I'm bad. But I did notice even, even then being a freshman, sophomore in high school over the winter when we are you know, less active, kind of feeling like I was putting on a little, a little weight or kind of growing out instead of growing up. (laughs) So I think some of those habits may have, have started, even if they, I wasn't actively eating to soothe emotions. I think just that idea of like, I can grab something to eat and that'll help solve this, this emotional pain that I'm in or perceived, uh, you know, whether it's perceived or real. And so that was probably the start of of any kind of emotional eating, but it really picked up and got, became more apparent in my late 20s. So when I was working, I started working doing this marketing job. I want to say it was 2015. I started and it went through 2016. And and I would say starting in 2016, then I had started doing some coaching on the side. I was doing some social media management, starting to take on my own clients. And I was becoming a little more disgruntled in my day job. I didn't necessarily like the people that I was working with or working for. Well, I didn't work with a lot of people. It was more who I was working for. And I didn't necessarily like the job. I felt like my skill set would be so much better used in this other area, but that's not what we did as a company. And so I would get tasks from my boss and be like, okay, you know, got to make this social media graphic or, you know, write this content and be like, well, this sucks. I could be doing X, Y, and Z. I could be making them so much more money. I could be doing these things or creating these paid marketing programs or, you know, like helping them with Facebook ads or videos, or, you know, I could be growing their, their membership. I could be doing all these other things. And so since I didn't necessarily like the tasks at hand, even though they weren't hard, it was like, well, let me just spin around in my chair and pop open my snack drawer and grab a snack while I do this task that really sucks and I don't want to (laughs) do. And so it was like, well, how can I make this better? Oh, oh, I can make this better with chocolate. (laughs) Oh, I can make this better with a protein bar. I can make this better with a snack. And so not only was I trying to avoid certain tasks and feelings like I wasn't living my purpose and I wasn't in the right job, but then it was also feelings of, well, my business isn't taking off and I'm not happening fast enough and I'm not signing the clients I want and I'm putting all this time and effort and energy and money into it and it's not going anywhere. And so there was a lot of shame and judgment that was very kind of, low level, like this undercurrent that was just constantly there. Again, still comparing my body to everybody else, still not feeling good enough, still trying to just run more and eat less and cut carbs. And so I I started to recognize like, oh, I, I think I have more of an unhealthy relationship with food, definitely with exercise. And so I started working with a health coach and I did not lose any weight at all. I actually stopped going to the calls after about a month or two. I stopped weighing in because every time I weighed in, I was the same weight or I wasn't getting better. And she had actually told me that if I didn't stick with this plan, that well, number one, it was like all on the premise of I shouldn't need willpower. Like you don't need willpower. You can't lose weight with willpower, which I agree. But the plan that she gave me required me to use willpower. And so I was very frustrated, but instead of going to her and to look and ask for a different plan or what can we do differently, it was like, well, this is what I should be eating, what I should be doing. And I just need to figure that like, I need to get better. Like all the times in my mind when I was like wanting to yell at her, I always ended up coming back to, but no, this is my fault. I need to figure this out. I just need to try harder. I just need to commit more. I just need to do this. I just need to suck it up. And I kind of did that more. I mean, it, it that didn't help me. I believe in taking responsibility, but like, that was not helpful. I also needed to learn when to ask for help and when to, to share and to to get feedback and to say like, hey, this isn't working. 
what what else can we do? Like I'm not sticking with this plan at all. It was cutting out all processed foods. It was cutting out all the protein bars, all like I could have one square of dark chocolate a night. I think it was like one to two squares. And I like blew through that, you know, before lunch, probably I wasn't supposed to be doing my protein shakes or, you know, it was like, it just wasn't realistic for where I was at. And it seemed like I could, it was like, oh, I should be able to do that but it wasn't actually anything I could stick with. I don't think I ever sticked with her plan for a single day because I was emotionally eating and I was looking for food when I wasn't truly hungry. I was procrastinating and I was trying to avoid you know, negative thoughts about myself and the job with food. And so it's no wonder that this plan didn't work. I look back now and I'm like, oh, I probably could have made that work. It didn't seem like a lot of food. It didn't seem like enough food, but like I probably could have made, like I probably could stick with something like that now, but because I have changed my relationship to food. See, at the time she was like, well, you need to eat six servings of carbs. And I was terrified of carbs, like had anxiety about eating carbs, like not quite deathly afraid. That might be a bit of an exaggeration, but the thought of eating like six servings of carbs was like, uh, there is no way in hell I could eat that and still lose weight. So whenever the scale stayed the same, or maybe it went up a pound, I was like, oh, that's it. Nope. Pulling back. No carbs for you. See, I told you this wasn't going to work. And so I stopped showing up to calls. I didn't ask for help. I stopped weighing in because every time I just beat myself up. And so I, I really had this hateful relationship with the scale. So I was like, well, let me, I'm going to stop weighing because I want to stop this negative conversation with myself about the scale. And she had told me too, that if I didn't stick with my plan for two days or more throughout the week, then I wasn't going to lose weight. So by the time Wednesday rolled around, when I hadn't stuck with my plan yet on Monday or Tuesday, and now it's Wednesday, it's like, well, why punish myself? Why keep depriving? Why even try? Why even bother if I'm not going to lose weight this week? I'll just try again next week. Like it's Wednesday. It's Wednesday. I still had four, you know, five more days to go. And I'm already throwing the week away instead of looking at how do I make the next best choice? What's the next best decision I can make? How do I save the week? How do I save the day instead of throwing it away? And so, and that's one of the problems is I don't, again, I don't think she meant anything negative with this, but it did more harm than it did good. And it really is this all or nothing thing of like, you have to stay, you want to lose two pounds? Great. I'll help you to lose two pounds this week, but you have to stick with this. You know, like it's a requirement. And if you eat off plan once, well, maybe you'll lose a pound. But for where I was, I mean, I really only wanted to lose like five pounds. I think I was like 125. I wanted to be 120 because nothing was ever good enough. Let's just be real here. I always wanted to be less than what I was currently weighing. Never happy, never satisfied. But I should have been looking to try to lose like, half a pound a week or a quarter of a pound a week, not two pounds. Like I didn't have enough weight to be requiring. And so that's part of what required such like a strict, rigid, like eating plan was something that would get me to eating two, you know, or get me to the two pound weight loss for the week. Like that just wasn't realistic for where I was at, for how much I had. But in my mind, I was thinking, well, if this program's four months long, I'm bound to lose five pounds. It was like lose 20 in 120 days. Well, shoot, I could lose five pounds in 120 days. But the plan wasn't set up that way. The plan was set up to be able to lose like five pounds in a month. And that just wasn't sustainable. And I'm glad that I didn't lose any weight because had I lost weight, I would have inevitably gained it back because that was not sustainable. I would not have been able to keep that up. But it was always this this constant like, oh, I'm going on I'm going on vacation soon. What can I restrict? What can I cut out? I better hurry up and lose weight. I didn't want to lose the weight too early 
because then I would have to maintain it and I would have to keep suffering to maintain it. And I didn't want to do that, but I also didn't want to, I, yeah, I just, I didn't want to do it. <laughs> I just had a really hard time. Like I, I didn't want to be overweight. I always was like trying to be thinner or, you know, way less than, than I really did. So that was, that was probably the first time when I started to recognize that I was emotionally eating. And I thought that, well, I just need a different job. I just need to change my job. Or my husband was deployed. My husband just needs to come home and then I'll be better. And I never actually like learned or figured out how to really solve for emotional eating at that point, even though I was starting to become aware of, oh, I probably was emotionally eating. And while the coach was sympathetic, she also didn't offer any useful like ways of solving that. Like I, I just didn't know what to do with it. I kept thinking it was the circumstance. We'll just change the job and then you'll feel better. Just change the, you know, change the distance between you and your spouse and then things will get better. And as any, especially military spouse, as anyone can tell you, like just because your spouse comes back from deployment does not mean that things are magically better. Like now you have a whole set of all new emotions. <laughs> so it's, it was something that I started to learn over time. But this was, so this was 2016, and I, I still wasn't quite putting the puzzle pieces together. Ready to hear how the story ends? Hit play on episode number 10, and I'll walk you all through it. If you like this episode, then you'll love my free virtual workshop, Five Keys to End Emotional Eating and Lose Excess Weight for Life. You'll learn the counterintuitive reason why all your attempts to restrict food over the years has actually led to weight gain and the mental switch you need to flick that'll have you dropping pounds without sacrificing wine, carbs, or the food you love. Get all the details at bodyyoucrave.com.